about it, pro wrestling fans, and welcome back to another episode of What About Wrestling. I am so excited for this one today, guys. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have been trying to come up with my perfect scenarios for the next few months leading all the way into SummerSlam of what I want to see from the WWE, and I think I finally got it. I've been pondering on this and pondering on this, wanting to get it absolutely perfect for you guys, and I'm sure once I start going through it, I'm going to be like, oh, well, this could be different, but I've got a full set of notes laid out that will take us all the way into SummerSlam of not only what I want to see, but theoretically, maybe some things that WWE might actually do. So it's not too outlandish. It's not too, I don't know, Dylan Roberts. It's not too what about wrestling-ish. It's kind of realistic, and it's some things that I think could actually happen. But it's also some dream scenarios for me personally. Um, I guess I'm going to go ahead and jump straight into what happened at Backlash. As far as the card was concerned... I almost hit the nail on the head on every single match, which I'm pretty proud of, which can be a good thing and a bad thing sometimes, right? Like if the product is too predictable, it becomes kind of boring. But at the same time, whenever WWE is delivering on these predictable matches, I think that it's not as bad. And I think it can make for an entertaining show. And that was certainly the case with Backlash. I thought Backlash was perfect. I don't think it could have went any better I don't think the crowd could have been any better. The crowd was absolutely phenomenal. That is the perfect scenario for WWE whenever a crowd is reacting the way that that crowd was reacting and having a good time and just enjoying themselves. And that Bad Bunny entrance, whenever he came out and the crowd singing along to his song, I don't speak Spanish, I don't know the words, but I was invested at that point. I was totally bought into everything that was going on there. So yeah, it was a pretty fun show. The only match that I didn't predict correctly was Austin Theory retaining his United States Championship. So kind of an odd mood to me, just because I think that Austin Theory is ready to take that next step. But they could be prolonging that. I don't know how long that's going to go because Austin Theory is a main eventer in my eyes. But it's going to take some work, which they have time, but it's going to take some work to make me buy into him as a possible WrestleMania main eventer for next year or something along those lines. So it's interesting to see where WWE is going to go, but I think that I have a good idea on that. But first, let's go ahead and just run down some winners and losers from the Backlash card. Bianca Belair defeated EO Sky. Bailey ended up costing EO the match here, um, unintentionally, I guess. So it looks like we're going to get into a little bit of, uh, I don't know, dissension between damage control, which I'm excited for. I think I predicted before that I wanted Bailey to break away, but it's looking like EO is going to be the one that breaks away. So we will get into that later in the fantasy booking portion of the show. Seth Rollins defeated Omos in what I thought was a very good match. It was definitely Omos's best match so far in the WWE. So happy to see Rollins pick up the win there. Austin Theory defeated Bronson Reed and Bobby Lashley, like I stated. Rhea Ripley uh, defeated Zelina Vega. Man, this match is everything that I was hoping it was going to be for Zelina. I thought she'd done a great job. The crowd was so behind her. It was a great moment to see. Um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of wrestlers showing their true, real emotions sometimes in wrestling. I mean, sometimes it's a good thing, and then sometimes I'm like, ah, I'd prefer not to see that. But Zelina crying before the match 
was, man, it had me emotional. I mean, I, I felt excited for her. I was proud for her. You, you know, it's as fans, we don't really see behind the scenes of how much work truly goes into what these men and women do. And to see all the hard work pay off and all their dreams finally come true, it was a great moment. It felt awesome. So good for her. And, um, you know, she didn't pick up the win, which nobody really expected her to, but she put on a good performance. I thought Rhea Ripley done a good job in the match as well. In the next match, Bad Bunny defeated Damian Priest. There's not enough I can say about this. Bad Bunny, I think this was his first singles match. I'm pretty for sure that it was his first singles match and looks like he's been doing it for, I don't know, 15 years. Dude's incredible. He gets the business on a, in a way that he definitely should not for as little amount of time as he's been involved in it. And this isn't his full-time job, guys. It's He is the number one artist in the world, the most streamed artist in the entire world is the guy that's going out here and putting on these awesome matches. So kudos to him. All the shenanigans that happened in the match, they got a little carried away with them. And sometimes whenever they do that, I hate it. But for some reason in this match, I was just on the edge of my seat. I was living in the moment. I was enjoying it like a fan instead of a critic. And Savio Vega coming out and Carlito coming out, man, it just it really hit home with me as far as just being so incredibly entertaining. So Shout out to them, and the biggest winner in this match, in my opinion, was Damian Priest. Yes, he he lost in the kayfabe land that is professional wrestling, but boy did he win. I think his stock was already through the roof for me, but his stock has to be through the roof for the WWE now. He has to be looked at like a top-tier guy. I think he is a bona fide main eventer. He has the look. He has the in-ring ability. And now we know what he can do in the big moments, in these mega moments. I think that Damian Priest has finally proved himself. He he belongs in the world title picture once that all gets rolling. So shout out to Damian Priest. He done an incredible job. Next was the Bloodline defeating Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Matt Riddle. Again, this has kind of played out to me. I'm, I'm glad that it's over. It was what it was. It was an entertaining match. The stuff going on between the Usos and Sola Sokoa was entertaining, but I just don't know how much they're going to do with that going forward. You know, like, the Bloodline story is one that's meant to be drawn out. It's meant to take a while. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I just don't think that it's going to be a fast-paced thing. I actually don't even really cover what might happen between Solo and Roman and the Usos in this fantasy booking, just because I don't think a whole lot's going to become of it leading up to SummerSlam. Possibly but not enough to talk on, I don't think. And then finally, Cody Rhodes defeated a bloody, bloody Brock Lesnar. And, you know, I thought Brock just bladed, and maybe he gouged himself a little too hard. But they say that Brock knows how to hard weigh himself and not cause a big problem. And if you watched Raw the following, uh, I guess it was two nights afterwards, Brock looked like hell. I mean, he had a big gash that had staples in his forehead. He had a black eye. I don't think that that was all makeup. I think that that was for real. I think that Brock hardweighed himself, and man, was it a massacre. And that's the cool thing about Brock. Brock doesn't bleed often, so when Brock bleeds, it means so much. And that's something that you know I've talked on ad nauseum about John Moxley, which he bled again last night in his match against Kenny Omega, like almost immediately. So I don't know. When somebody bleeds all the time, it doesn't mean anything. When Brock Lesnar bleeds because he never bleeds, 
it means so much to the story and it puts Cody over in a way that even the wind, I don't think put Cody over, you know, with, with Brock bleeding the way that he did. I think that that meant more to Cody than Cody actually winning almost as crazy as that sounds. But then, you know, raw was a couple nights later. It was a pretty straightforward show, but it was very entertaining. I had a great time watching raw this week. It was uh, one that you didn't have to fast forward through. If you rewatched it, it was, it was a good show. I mean, there was some parts in it that I could have done without, uh, Mustafa Ali beating Otis and, you know, a couple little things here and there. But aside from that, the Dana Brooke and Rhea Ripley match was just not for me either, really. But I think that that's leading to uh, Natalia and Rhea starting something. So Rhea needs another opponent. And it's just as simple as that. So it looks like Natalia is going to be the next person that she faces. The World Heavyweight Championship Tournament started this week on Raw. And we've seen Seth Rollins defeat Shinsuke Nakamura and Damian Priest. And then later we've seen Finn Balor defeat The Miz and Cody Rhodes after Brock interfered. And then after that, later in the night in the main event, we've seen Seth Rollins defeat Finn Balor to advance to the finals of the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. So that's going to lead us right into our fantasy booking leading all the way into SummerSlam. That was a real quick you know, capture of what has happened since I've talked to you guys last. Backlash went down without a hitch, and I thought it was amazing. And then Raw went down, and I thought it was a pretty good show. So let's dive straight into fantasy booking all the way into SummerSlam. The first premium live event coming up is Night of Champions. We've already got some rivalries underway that's going to be taking place at Night of Champions. It's been announced that Cody Rhodes is going to be facing Brock Lesnar there. I think this is another good opportunity to build Cody Rhodes up. You know, you tore him down by him losing at WrestleMania to Roman. So I think that he should beat Brock again here. But it needs to be some kind of stipulation match. I think that it needs to either be like a last man standing or because Brock bled so much at, uh, at uh, Backlash, I think he should, maybe should be a first blood match here. I think that it would mean a lot to Cody to beat Brock again. I don't think that this should be a three-match ordeal where Brock gets the win here and then Cody beats him in the rubber match. I don't think it necessarily needs to be anything like that. But I do think that this is a good opportunity to continue to build Cody because I think that Cody deserves to go back to the mountaintop and then finally get what he deserves, which is the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. I don't think it needs to be the World Heavyweight Championship, which is why, again, I predicted this on last week's show that Cody should beat Brock and then Brock should interfere in his match going into this tournament. I mean, it was all kind of played out right there, or at least to me, it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. So I think the Cody and Brock story should virtually end here at Night of Champions. Next on this list, I have, I think AJ Styles should win the SmackDown tournament. Again, something I said last week on the podcast, he ends up being in the tournament this week, and it's looking like the match that I was hoping for is actually going to happen. It's going to be AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. I could be completely wrong on that. Edge could win the tournament uh, tomorrow night, whatever goes down. I don't know, but if it was up to me, that's how I would book this, and then I think Seth should beat AJ at Night of Champions to become the inaugural WWE World Heavyweight Champion, or at least this version of it. I'm assuming that Roman's going to have a match um, at this pay-per-view. So if Roman is going to have a match at this pay-per-view, 
I think that this is a good spot for Bobby Lashley. I think Bobby Lashley is an excellent opponent for Roman here. It it does, you know, it's going to kill Bobby Lashley's momentum a little bit here, but he's somebody who can bounce back from it. That's why I think he's a good opponent. Earlier, I had Omos in this spot. If it was Omos, I don't think I would be that disturbed by it. Apparently, uh, WWE was very impressed by Omos's performance at Backlash, so it could be Omos. Omos, Bobby Lashley, one of the two here, either or would fit. I just think that these Saudi shows tend to be huge shows. They feel almost like a WrestleMania. I think if you want a WrestleMania-level match, I don't think it's Omos. I think it's more of a Bobby Lashley or an Edge or somebody like that. I've got Austin Theory versus L.A. Knight in Night of Champions. I think that this could be an excellent rivalry. I think that these two personalities could mesh really well. L.A. Knight has grown a huge following with the WWE fan base. And, man, they're into him. They're into him big time. I do think that Austin Theory should pick up the win here. But I think that it would be a great match. Um, and I think it could be a great story leading up to the match. Now, next is something that I have going down before Night of Champions that culminates at Night of Champions. And I'm not a big fan of tournaments. I'm just not a big fan of them. But whenever you're debuting new titles, you have to have a tournament almost. You can't just say, well, it's these two guys or, or whatever. I mean, I guess you can. But I think that SmackDown needs a set of tag team champions. I don't know how we're going to get to that point. I think that the WWE should just say, hey, look, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they have both sets of tag titles. We're going to create another set of tag titles for SmackDown. I mean, and it's just that simple. That's what they've done for the World Heavyweight Championship. Do it for the tag team championships and give SmackDown a set of tag titles. Now, the way that I think you get new champions is you have a tournament. I think you have Legado del Fantasma that is Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro face off against Top Dollar and Ashanti the Adonis. And I think that Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro should win there. I think that you have the OC, which is Luke, Gall Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson versus Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins with the Street Profits picking up the win there. You have Pretty Deadly, which is Elton Prince and Kit Wilson versus Rich Holland and Butch. I think that Pretty Deadly picks up the win there. And then I think you should have the Usos versus Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar. So you've got four members of the LWO in this tournament. So, But I think it works out good. I think that SmackDown's a little weak on uh, tag teams, so those two guys work well together. I think they fit in perfectly right there. The next round of the tournament, I would have Street Profits versus Pretty Deadly with Pretty Deadly picking up the win here. And then the Usos versus Legado del Fantasma. And the Usos picking up the win there. And then at Night of Champions, you crown another set of champions. You have the Usos defeat Pretty Deadly at Night of Champions. Now, the reason I picked the Usos over Pretty Deadly here is you need, a, you need an established tag team that the fans know. Pretty Deadly, I think, are going to be a big deal. I think you can build them up to be a big deal. But with the pay-per-view being so close, Night of Champions being so close, I think that you just go ahead and crown the Usos again. I know that that feels played out. I know that that feels obvious. But that's, again, in WWE, the WWE world, that feels like something that would happen. Just for right now, just to get us past this point of crowning new champions, you could kind of 
mend some of the wounds that the bloodline have right now by having the Usos win those tag titles back. And I think it would play out very well as far as a TV show is concerned, storyline is concerned, have the Usos win the, t- the new tag titles here. Also at Night of Champions, I think Gunther needs to have a match. And I was thinking, I was looking through the list of people that he could get into a rivalry with. And I think that Matt Riddle is the perfect opponent for Gunther here. Again, Gunther is big time on these matches where he just goes in and the two dudes just beat the hell out of each other. I think that Matt Riddle's the perfect opponent to do that with. Now, those of you who pay attention to Twitter know that Matt Riddle had a little bit of a, I don't know, videos leaked of himself and it's probably not a good look for him, but it was unintentional and I don't know. I think that the WWE will just let it blow over and then we might be able to see Matt Riddle here versus Gunther. This is one of the ones that I'm not real sure that the WWE would do, but I think it would be a great match. Also at Night of Champions, like I said, it looks like Rhea Ripley's next rivalry is with Natalya. So if that's the case, I think that this would be a great women's match to put on over there. I know that Natalya has wrestled over there before. She's respected by that crowd. So I think that this would be a good match to have over there for the Raw Women's Championship or SmackDown Women's Championship, whatever you want to call it. They needed to just go ahead and switch those titles. Um, They're on the wrong brand. So as far as I'm concerned, that's the Raw Women's Championship right there. And then I guess there's possibly a Trish versus Becky match here. But I really wish that they would just hold this match off until SummerSlam. I want this to be a one-match rivalry. I want them to have just one big-time match, and I think that that match deserves to be at SummerSlam. So that's what I'm going with, but it could happen here at Night of Champions. I'm just not real sure. Roughly a month after Night of Champions goes down, you have Money in the Bank taking place in London on July 1st. So first things first, I think that Cody Rhodes should win the Money in the Bank briefcase here. I think that that's just a move that you make because I think that's the only way you get him back to Roman. And I think that that's where he belongs. I think he belongs to be chasing Roman. So I think that you have Cody Rhodes win. But in that match with him, I have Shinsuke Nakamura and The Miz because it looks like they're about to start a little bit of a rivalry here as after what we've seen on Raw the other night. You have, I want to say Drew McIntyre here, but... I don't know what's going on with his contract negotiations. He's injured. I know that. Um, so if not him, you could plug Finn Balor in right there. And then from the SmackDown side of things, I think you have LA Knight and Austin Theory kind of continuing what they have going on. And then AJ Styles, because again, I think you need another big time name in this match. And then I also have Grayson Waller here, who was drafted to SmackDown from NXT. I think you start the, the rise of Grayson Waller here. I think that he deserves to be in some some big-time matches. He's very entertaining. If you've watched any of his NXT work, you know that he can fit in this match and do well and not like fumble the bag here. I think that he's going to do great if he's in this spot. So Grayson Waller is who I have in that final spot in that match. I don't think that Roman will have a match at Money in the Bank, but if he does, I think that this is another really good spot for Bobby Lashley. You could probably tie up the loose ends on that storyline a little bit. So Bobby Lashley, I think if Roman has a match at Night of Champions, which he, it's a weird spot because Roman's not one to wrestle at every pay-per-view, right? But with it being such a big pay-per-view, 
with it being you know overseas in London, you're trying to draw this huge crowd, which I'm sure it's going to sell out regardless. But if they're going to do that, I think that Bobby Lashley again is a good fit right here. I have Seth Rollins versus Damian Priest at Money in the Bank for the World Heavyweight Championship. Again, I think that Damian Priest has earned the spot. I think that he deserves to be in this World Heavyweight Championship picture. But I do feel like Seth Rollins should retain here. And Damian Priest should be able to get over without going over. I think that Damian Priest can up his stock even more without winning. Now, this does kind of put Damian Priest on a bit of a losing streak. But you could build up to this match by having you know, some kind of little qualifying thing to see who gets to face Seth Rollins. Or you could have him just dominating Seth Rollins, him and the Judgment Day just kind of pestering Seth Rollins the whole way leading up to this. You could build Damian Priest up to where it would be okay for him to take a loss here, is all I'm getting at with that. I think you also have Gunther versus Matt Riddle for the Intercontinental Championship again here. Again, I think that these two dudes could put on a great match. And I think that you could top some loose ends with this storyline as well and have Gunther retain. I don't want Gunther to lose this title until I think it's like September the 8th, I think is the date that he would pass Honky Tonk Man. So keep letting him rack up wins against great opponents. You don't want to just keep throwing like losers out there that you know he's going to beat. Like Matt Riddle seems like a guy who could have the Intercontinental title. So let him keep racking up wins. You know, Riddle's going to take the fall here, but I think, again, it's going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. So, Gunther defeating Matt Riddle for the IC title. In the women's Money in the Bank match, I have the competitors being Io Sky and Dakota Kai from Damage Control here. You know, they haven't quite broken up yet at this point. Everything seems fine. There's some tension, but everything's okay. I think Charlotte needs to get back and come into this match. I think that Charlotte it would be a, you know, a great person to fit into this match because for first off, you're just going to assume that she's going to win. So have her in the match. Have Asuka in the match. Again, another big-time name that you think, well, she's probably going to win. Becky Lynch in this match. Zoe Stark because she seems like the new up-and-comer in the women's division they might be trying to build. And then Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville, because you always need that little bit of, you know, like tag team influence. Like, are these two people going to take over the entire match? I think that both of those would fit in well there and carry their weight and put on an entertaining match. I think that within this match, though, that Trish Stratus should come out and ride as Becky's climbing to the top of the ladder. Becky's up there. She's about to pull down the briefcase. And then out of nowhere, Trish comes out and ruins the moment for Becky. And right as Becky falls to the ground, we see Eo Sky come up from the ground, get into the ring, climb the ladder, and your Miss Money in the Bank needs to be Eo Sky. That leads me, both of those things lead me into the next two matches that I think should go down at Money in the Bank. I think that Trish should challenge Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship at Money in the Bank. And Becky should cost Trish the match, and then we're continuing to build on this storyline. It's getting hotter, and it's getting hotter, and it's getting hotter. 
and it's incredibly hot if they don't have this match at Night of Champions. Also, playing off of the Women's Money in the Bank match, I think that Bianca Belair should be facing Bayley for the SmackDown Women's title at Money in the Bank. And then right after the match is over, right after Bayley doesn't get the job done, you have Io cash in on Bianca and win the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then you have Bayley pissed that she's not the champion. She's jealous of Io Sky. And then you almost have this Triple H and Randy Orton thing going on from the Evolution days. You know, you have the 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 master, the person that taught this person everything they know, or at least in their eyes, feeling betrayed by their protege. And then you have a rivalry built off of that. I think that it would be fantastic. So that leads me right into August the 5th in Detroit. You have SummerSlam. And boy, do you have some incredibly hot feuds at this point. I'd love to see Eosky versus Bailey with Dakota Kai in her corner as the new damage control for the SmackDown Women's title. Dealer's choice here. I don't care which one of these two girls wins. I think it should be Eo at this point to just kind of continue to build this or maybe to just set her out on her own as this big-time draw. I mean, if you want to make Eosky have her defeat Bailey. Bailey's top tier in the women's division. Have her go out and beat her. Another incredibly hot feud you have at this point is Trish and Becky. And you can have the blow off to this feud in this match right here. Again, I'm hoping that it's just this match. I don't want any more than this. You know, you can build this storyline all the way up to SummerSlam. Is it going to feel like it's too long at, po- at, at certain points? Yeah, there's going to be some rolls where you're like, man, it's getting a little repetitive. It's getting a little too much. But... It doesn't have to. You know what I'm saying? Like, great storytelling can cover up for how long this feud's going to go on. And say, even if they do have this match at Night of Champions, it doesn't ruin it completely. But I think that it, it definitely dampers on it a little bit. I also think that this could be a good spot for bitter enemies turned best of friends. You know, you have The Miz and Shinsuke Nakamura have a match that's coming up raw. Um, this coming week. And then, like I said, you have them in the Money in the Bank match, and then they're feuding within that match. But then something clicks with between the two of them, and they become a tag team, and they challenge Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the tag team titles here at SummerSlam. Now, I mean, this isn't going to be one of your biggest, match on, biggest matches on your card, but I do think it could be a really big match. It could be very entertaining from a storyline perspective. And at the end of the day... I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn still win here. But if you decide that you think Shinsuke Nakamura and The Miz could take the titles and then you could do something with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, maybe this is the point where they split up. Who knows? I just think that this is a good match for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. You know, they're going to have to start defending the tag titles at some point. You know, in the midst of all of this, while I'm fantasy booking this, I'm kind of just going over the highlights of what I want the pay-per-views to be, or the premium live events, I guess they're called now. But on Raw, you know, they could be defending tag titles against Imperium and these guys, or or, or whatever the situation may be. I mean, they could. there's plenty of tag teams on the Raw side of thing for them to be defending their tag titles. But I think this is the point where they finally get another pay-per-view, or excuse me, premium live event match. 
And uh, I think that those would be good opponents. The Miz and Shinsuke Nakamura, they become friends. Everything's sweet. Everything's good. And see what they can do against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I also think that this is a point for the other side, the SmackDown tag titles. I think that this is a good point for the Usos to face pretty deadly again. And this whole time, from Night of Champions until SummerSlam, you're starting to build pretty deadly. You're getting the audience more familiar with these guys. They're an incredible tag team. They're very entertaining. So just build them up. Make them seem important. Make them seem like viable winners. And then they defeat the Usos and become the new tag team champions here. And the cracks are starting to get worse and worse in the bloodline. And then for the World Heavyweight Championship match, I think that if you have the stuff figured out with Drew McIntyre by this point, if he's healed up, he needs to face Seth Rollins here. And again, this could be dealer's choice. Either one of these guys could win here, and it would feel like an incredible moment. It would feel really big. This is what you need out of SummerSlam. So either one of them could win. I would have Seth win here, but also you don't want to ruin Drew at this point. So either one of them could win, and I would be happy. Continuing on building on Grayson Waller, him and Austin Theory are doing their thing. And I think that Grayson Waller defeats Austin Theory and becomes your new United States champion. Again, we're making stars in the What About Wrestling fantasy booking world. So I think that this is the point where you finally crown a new United States champion, and I think it needs to be Grayson Waller. And then finally, in the main event of SummerSlam, you finally have Cody Rhodes finish the story. Now, this is something that everybody online is saying, and it sounds like I'm just copying and pasting from what they're saying, but I think it's true. I think that Cody Rhodes doesn't need to win the World Heavyweight Championship. I think that Cody Rhodes needs to win the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. I don't think there's any other way around it without making Cody feel less than. So do what you need to do, WWE. Have him win the money in the bank, and then have him challenge Roman straight up for those titles, and then have him win and move him to SmackDown. I think it's as simple as that. And God forbid, you know, you need to move somebody to Raw. You could always have AJ Styles win this tournament that's going on right now. You could make this work. I don't think you need to do all of that, but you could definitely make this work to where Cody ends up on SmackDown, He's defeated Roman. I mean, at this point, what's Roman going for? He's not going to pass Bruno. He's passed a thousand days now. I mean, how much is there left to do with Roman? Now, would I be mad if Roman carries this title all the way to WrestleMania next year? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think that Cody needs to finish the story. And I think that this is the perfect moment to do it. You don't have to wait until WrestleMania next year. Would it be cool? Yeah. Would I love to be there for it? Absolutely. You know, but if this match is announced, who knows? I may end up in Detroit. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I do think that Cody needs to finish the story. I think that it needs to come sooner rather than later. I think that if you keep stringing Cody along for too long, the fans may possibly start to lose interest in him. Jacksonville tried to pull some funny stuff this past week on Raw. They tried, 
but Cody was quickly on top of it and kind of deterred them, and then they were immediately cheering him after that. But at first, Jacksonville tried to boo Cody. It's not going to take a whole lot for that to start becoming a common thing. You know, we're in the world now where baby faces just don't get cheered like they used to. So you got to keep your baby faces relevant. You got to keep them strong. You got to make them interesting. I think Cody's capable of all of that, even without the, you know, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. But I think that it would help and I think that it's a quick way to avoid all of that. And I think that at some point that it needs to happen and could it wait again? Yes, but I don't think that it needs to. I think this is the point that you turn Cody into the toppest, the tippy tippy top of your top stars and have him finally win this title. And then on each brand, you have these two great world champions, whether it's Drew or whether it's Seth, and then it's Cody on the other side. I mean, you're talking about making fans happy. If Seth Rollins, who gets a better crowd reaction than anybody in WWE right now, I I have decided that Cody gets or that uh, Seth gets a better reaction than even Cody does right now. You have him as your champion on one side, and then you have your most bona fide babyface you've had in I don't know how long since since Cena was on top years and years ago. You have Cody on that side as your champion. I just don't think he gets much better than that. So I think that I booked this out perfectly. You all need to let me know what you think. Now, I haven't been incredibly active on social media the past couple weeks, and I say that every week on the podcast, but I promise I'm about to get more active, and this is going to be the start of it. I'm sure some of you audio nerds have already noticed that I've got a new microphone. I promise, guys, just because the podcasts have been few and far in between, and I haven't been incredibly... Uh, I don't know, consistent with all of this. I've been trying to put down a podcast every week, but I've been incredibly busy. But trust me, guys, I am fully invested in this, and I want to hear your side of what you think should be going on, and I promise that this podcast is going to continue to go, and it's going to continue to grow. But it's not going to grow without your help. It's not going to grow without you sharing this with your friends. It's not going to grow without you telling all your homies who have watched wrestling in the past and maybe have gotten out of it about how good wrestling is right now. And that you know this guy who has a podcast that is totally kick-ass and he lays down some good points and he just done the best fantasy booking all the way out to SummerSlam of this year that you've ever heard before in your life. No, I'm totally playing. But for real, tell your friends about it. Share it on social media. Engage with me on social media. Helps me out a ton. And I know that I need to be active on social media too for that to happen. But it's about to start picking back up, I promise. We're about to start getting back into the hot time of the year. We're going through these down months right now. And the WWE is saying, uh-uh, it's not the down time of the year. Did you even watch Backlash? This is a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. And on the other side of things, AEW is looking like they're about to do, I don't know, 70, 80,000 people at Wembley. So... If those numbers are accurate, then pro wrestling's at its peak right now, guys. I know that we all love the Attitude Era. I know that we all reminisce on it and think on it fondly. But as far as the numbers are concerned, wrestling is starting to hit its peak again. 
And boy, am I excited to be a part of it. And I'm excited to hop on here every week and talk about it. But again, I want every one of you to tell me what you think is going on in the world of professional wrestling. Tell me something that you want me to cover going forward. Tell me where I messed up fantasy booking all of this. Anything, guys. We can chat about anything. And then next week on the pod, we can talk about it some more. So with all that being said, what about wrestling?